Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee. This is The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Presented by Hobson Chevrolet. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom Block and Keith Jones. We have rested and recovered via the bye week, and we are back. And as average as ever, Tom Block and Keith Jones. How are you, KJ? On the pinnacle of my mediocre career. And it continues. That is, There is longevity involved, though, so we are appreciative of that fact. Very much so. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We have a uh, big show ahead. Andrea Adelson from uh, ESPN.com will join us. We'll obviously talk Florida State Clemson. If you're not aware... If you've been living in a cave. There is a game. If you checked out after Florida State lost two times this season, FSU Clemson is this week. It is sold out. It's an 8 o'clock game. The booster parking lots open early. Noon. Maintain. Maintain. It will be a big time. Hopefully we'll get a game that will live up to the billing. Now, it doesn't quite have the, uh, maybe the edge or feel to it from a Florida State point of view that it's had in past years. And I think, to me, that's pretty explainable. Florida State doesn't have as much at stake. Uh, therefore, from that standpoint, even though that's disappointing, you can go to the game and not worry about getting your heart ripped out because at this point, if you're if you're all in on the on the college football playoff for the championship, that's not going to happen for FSU this year. That said, I do think it's it's certainly a great stage, great opportunity for Florida State. Most people are not going to pick FSU in this game. I, I do think FSU will play well in this game. Both teams are coming off a bye. Your thoughts? Two thoughts. Number one, uh, and you've mentioned this uh, privately before we went on the air, I, I just hope it's an entertaining ball game. I, I I don't care for a blowout either way. Now, obviously, if Florida State won 50 to nothing, I'd be ecstatic. But I think it's important for the ACC with 8 o'clock kickoff with these two teams of notoriety and Clemson being where they are in what, the top three now, I guess, that the game be entertaining, i.e. a close game. Uh, and I personally think, despite the high-powered offense capabilities, given what we saw in Miami, there is the chance that this will be a low-scoring competitive game. That would be my wish. Uh, I, I think it well, does the conference no good either way if it's a blowout either way. To your point, the winning team in this game scored 23 points last year and 23 points two years ago when Florida State won in overtime. So it has been a few years since the Correct. big numbers have rolled in this. I, I will say, and we talked about this over the summer when we talked about everything to pass time over the summer. Uh, if you look at the, probably we talked about this when the schedule came out, but if you look at the Jimbo era and you look at Florida State and Clemson, more often than not, Jimbo has not had his starting quarterback in this game. So to recap, in, in 2010, Ponder was hurt and EJ played. And in 2011, EJ was hurt and Clint Trickett played. And uh, in 2010, Florida State won on the Hopkins kick. In 2011, it was at Death Valley and Clemson won, I think, 35-30. 2012, EJ played. That was the EJ for Heisman game where he threw for 300, ran for 100, FSU rallied. But FSU scored 45, 50 points. The next year was the Jameis game, 2013, where FSU put 50-something on. Then you go to 2014, and another quarterback out Winston was out McGuire played and you go last year and even though McGuire ended up being the starter at the end of the year Golson was the starter at that point in the season so I'm saying all that to say this the two times in this series under Jimbo that he's had his regular starting quarterback if you will 12 and 13 he has scored points on Brett Venables now I have a lot of respect for Brett Venables but I'm just making that point you can do with it what you want well and and my echo of that point is we were all so frustrated two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, with how poorly 
the Florida State offense played and how vanilla they were and what they were doing. And there was plenty of speculation, not sure if it's founded or well-founded, that Jimbo was holding some things in, not wanting to get too crazy out there and 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 will be much more aggressive in his play calling against Clemson, candidly, one, because he has to, and B, because that's his nature. Uh, he, he gets up for these big games just like the kids do. It reminds me of the exact opposite of the criticisms we sometimes had of, of Coach Bowden and his offensive staff, particularly in games against Miami, where Florida State offensively looked like they were playing not to lose as opposed to playing to win. If anything, Jimbo's the exact opposite. He is more of a gambler, more of a gunslinger in the big games than he even is in the ones that he's heavily favored. I, I would agree with that, and that's largely why he's seven and zero against Miami. He's four and two against Clemson right now. Five and one against the Gators. Four and two in bowl games. It's a big game though for Florida State. I remember obviously. all that stuff. I don't know because I'm not as old as you. Give me another few years, I won't remember anything. You know, what's your name? Even Tom Lang is getting older now. He doesn't remember. Happy when birthday we're... to you. Yeah, exactly. Happy. Bu- that's enough of that. Uh, we will get more into this. For, for that conversation about FSU's offense, I think most people would say this really comes down to whether FSU's defense can stop Deshaun Watson and, and Clemson's skill players, and we'll address that as the program moves along. As I mentioned, Andrea Adelson from ESPN.com will join us next segment. Tim Linnefelt, our Seminoles.com insider, will join us. Keith, I know you didn't see this, but yesterday Seminoles.com posted a tremendous video. It was FSU coaches read their players' tweets, and they went and got – Coach Sue and Leonard, Rick Trickett's involved. It's entertaining five minutes of them trying to decipher the jargon that is today's 18 to 22-year-olds in social media. So we'll ask Tim. I don't know whose brainchild that was. We'll ask Tim about that. What What's tweet? Exactly. We'll have Tim explain that to you, too. I do need to mention that uh, the fine folks at uh, Madison Social and Centrale have been on board since the get-go as supporters of the front row, and we do appreciate it. If you're not aware, uh, Centrale is their uh, Italian fair pub, basically, that's uh, right down the, the street, literally two doors down on Madison from Madison Social. Uh, good place to go, good atmosphere, good food, especially if you like red sauce like I do. As it relates to Madison Social... Uh, Friday, big day Friday. Big day Friday. Uh, Rosillo and Cannell will be doing their show there on uh, Friday afternoon. So if you're looking to start your weekend, say as soon as the clock hits noon on Friday, I would advise you to just go to Madison Social and uh, just see where the weekend leads you from there. Do remember, though, it is an 8 o'clock kick on Saturday night. So at some point, you're going to have to take a break. Pace yourself. Speaking of taking a break, we will do so now. We'll come back and we'll get Andrea on the phone and continue uh, the front row as we talk Florida State and Clemson. Stay with us. Listening to the front row with Tom Locke and Keith Jones. Got a question? Email them at the front row at 979ESPNRadio.com. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on the front row and right back to the Clemson, Florida State conversation. Tom and Keith with you on a Wednesday evening. We'll head to the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. Earl Bacon Agency ensuring your future together. We'll Welcome in uh, ESPN College football reporter Andrea Adelson, who covers the ACC. Andrea, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. It is uh, a lot of hype. Not quite as much hype in Tallahassee as maybe there's been in years past since the Knowles have 
two losses at this point. But uh, what's your estimation, uh, looking at it more broadly as you do in your role of, uh, of what the anticipation is for this matchup this weekend? Well, I wrote this uh, story this week. I think this game is just as important for both parties, quite honestly. I mean, obviously, Florida State wants to beat another rival and ruin Clemson's season potentially and try to get to 10, maybe even 11 wins, depending on a bowl game, uh, which would give them, what, four or five straight. Uh, So it's obviously big for Florida State. And I think they want to show that they're a better team than they were at the beginning of the season. I think they want to show that they are capable of winning these types of games and kind of erase what happened against Louisville. I don't think there's completely erasing that, but certainly I think they have an opportunity to start changing people's minds about what type of team that they have here against Clemson. As for Clemson, this is obviously huge for their college football playoff chances. I think they guarantee themselves a spot in the top four if they win out. If they lose, then they got to start looking at how they're positioned against some of the other conference champions uh, of the Power Five. Uh, how is that going to stack up against uh, a one-loss team uh, potentially from the Big Ten or the Pac-12, if there is one, or what happens in the SEC or uh, the Big 12, which has two undefeateds right now. So for Clemson, it's very important to be able to win this game, obviously, uh, because they have conference championship hopes and and college ball playoff championship hopes, um, and they need to look good. They haven't looked good at any point this year, really, in a big game. Uh, and I think they really need to make a statement in this one. Andrea, taking that th- thought pro- uh, a little farther, I- I'm of the opinion that while Clemson may not have looked as good, one of the problems we have is Louisville has looked so good that, that Clemson's now being compared to what Louisville's done, particularly offensively and particularly at the quarterback position. All they've done, Clemson, is win their ball games. Might not have been flashy, but when the bottom line comes, they have the most points. What do you think about that comparison? You know, uh, it's interesting you say that because as you were talking, I'm thinking back to Florida State in 2014 when it was a similar situation where uh, they weren't blowout wins and they were closer than people anticipated and people start wondering, well, Florida State really that good or what's going on here? Why are they not dominating teams the way that we saw the year before? I think it's a very similar comparison, but uh, because Louisville has looked so good against Florida State, and then against NC State, a team that Clemson nearly lost to and probably should have lost to. They were outplayed in that game. People wonder, well, uh, is is everything okay at Clemson? And I think people are also comparing Clemson to the team last season. Uh, That had an easier time, I think, uh, in some of these games. So um, they're comparing Deshaun Watson this year to Deshaun Watson last year, where maybe his rushing isn't as effective this year as it was last year. His numbers certainly aren't as big this year as they were last year. Uh, They're comparing the running game this year to the way it was last year, and it's down this year compared to last year. But the bottom line is they have won all their games, and they do have that head-to-head victory over Louisville. So anybody who's sitting here saying, well, uh, what if Clemson loses uh, and they've got a loss and Louisville's got a loss? How's the committee going to view that? They still have the head-to-head victory, and if they go ahead and win the ACC, then they're still going to have the conference championship on their side as well. So I still think they've got a very large advantage over Louisville for those two reasons alone. Let me ask you about Dabo Swinney. His star has uh, shown very brightly, obviously, with what he's done with Clemson over the last few years, and they've won a lot of big games, particularly out of conference, got to the championship game a year ago. 
But if he doesn't get the championship this year with a generational quarterback like Deshaun Watson or Clemson fans, is it not going to be shining so brightly? Are they going to start to turn on him a little bit there? Because, you know, he's been rumored as the next guy at Alabama when Nick Saban goes and that sort of thing. But does he have to win it this year? I don't necessarily think he has to win it this year. I don't really get the sense that uh, the Clemson fan base is starting to get restless because of some of these close victories. Um, I still think that they believe that they have every capability of winning the national championship this year. Uh, And even if they don't, I think they're appreciative of where Dabo has gotten this program. Uh, When he took it over, um, they were a a losing team, and they really didn't have any direction, and they certainly weren't a national power. Uh, And in the time that he's been there, uh, they have won conference championships. They've played for a national championship for the first time uh, since the early 80s. They're signing top 10 recruiting classes every single year. Uh, they're able to bring in talented players like Deshaun Watson, like some of the guys who've gone on to become first and second round draft picks and NFL draft picks um, over the last several years. So I think they're just believed that Dabo has done this remarkable job of, of getting Clemson to a point now where they can be in the national championship conversation year in and year out. They're obviously working on a $50 million football facility that nobody could have ever envisioned before he was named the head coach there. Uh, and now they're right there with Florida State every year. These are the two flag bearers of the conference. And when he arrived there, that certainly was not the case. So uh, I understand that point of view. Well, they've got Deshaun Watson, and now is the time because who knows? who they're going to have and what's going to happen in the years to come. Uh, But I I do think that what he's done to this point um, has given him a a long leash in Clemson. Andrea, the the spotlight will be on the two superstars for Florida State, running back Dalvin Cook, and and as you've mentioned, for Clemson, uh, Deshaun. uh, Who who do you think is going to have a better night? Who who, who do you think is going to shine brightest when all that uh, spotlight is on them? Well, I'm going to pick Clemson to win this game because I think they have a couple of advantages um, that are going to allow them to win. I think first is going to be the matchups that they have with their skill players, uh, especially at receiver and with Deshaun Watson. I think we'll have an opportunity to pick apart the Florida State secondary, uh, especially with Derwin not being able to play in this game. That, That has been such an incredible loss for this defense. I think that he's going to have opportunities to get the ball to Mike Williams, who I think is going to have a big game. Um, But I do think that Dalvin's going to be able to get some runs. I mean, he always does. He nearly won this game single-handedly a year ago on the road in Death Valley. And we've seen what a motivated Dalvin Cook can do. Look at the Miami game. Uh, I think we all expected that out of him against Miami. And certainly I think that he's going to have some opportunities for some big runs because he usually has a couple uh, against Clemson, but I think ultimately with the game on the line, Deshaun Watson's going to make a couple more plays to win this game. You want to throw out a score prediction? Or do we have to I, go to ESPN.com uh, in a couple days to see that? Yeah, I haven't even like come up with a prediction yet, so they'll be out Thursday morning. Uh, so so we'll go with the Wait to wait, wait for that. I'll keep you in suspense. Well, to our listeners, don't wait till then. Go ahead and go online and check out Andrea's work because she, she's top-notch. There's no question about that. We are talking with Andrea Adelson, college football reporter for, for ESPN. Let me ask you this. In, in regard to your work, I saw a story that you wrote. I, I think you posted it yesterday, but it was about Ben Bolware, the linebacker from Clemson. Uh, and it was interesting story. I'll ask you to just kind of uh, give an overview for folks that haven't seen it. And there's an angle that uh, obviously involved Travis Rudolph, 
uh, and his friend Bo and that story that made national, really international news earlier this year? You know, a lot of people think that Ben Bullwear has a tendency to be a dirty player, and that came to the forefront again after the Louisville game in which he uh, appeared to have Lamar Jackson in a chokehold at the bottom of the pile, and he had to answer questions about um, that and, and the, his style of play, uh, which is relentless and intense, and he's just going to come after you uh, every single down. Uh, but uh, he does have a softer side that I don't think a lot of people know, and he's got a brother who has autism, uh, and he and his older brother help uh, get him ready for school every morning when they were both in high school, and they've got a very close relationship. Um, and so he has a special understanding of what special needs children go through on a day-to-day basis. And so when he saw what Travis did with Bo, it really touched his heart. And he said, I, I want to talk to him, and I want to reach out to him, and I just want to thank him because I don't think that there's a lot of people who truly understand what that meant, especially to people who um, have special needs children in their families. Uh, and so I asked him about it, and he was open and honest about, you know, I was a middle schooler, and I know those kids try to act cool, uh, but I've been through this because I've got a special needs brother. And so I've got this window into what it's like for them to go through school knowing that they're different and maybe they don't exactly fit in. And so for Travis to do what he did with Bo. It really meant a lot to Ben Bullware, and uh, I think he wants to at least say thank you to him. And, and his brother his brother Garrett said the same thing, uh, that, that the whole family was just touched uh, because they've been in those shoes, and they understand exactly what a child like Bo goes through. Um, and so they just thought it was an awesome gesture that Travis made, and, and they're just joining the long list of folks who were just so touched by, by what Travis did. Andrew, I had occasion to meet Ben's grandparents on an airplane flight one time. Uh, if he's anything like his grandmother and grandfather, uh, he, he's a quality, quality guy. They're wonderful people. The one thing I would point out to to our listeners is having been someone who's played this game, I, I know the exact play you're talking about in the Louisville game. Uh, and and bull, you know, the thing that's always amazing to me is we talk about players that smack talk. And, and, and get into verbal conversations to get people off of their game. And then we ridicule those that do just a little bit something in the pile to get someone off their game, which is exactly what Bulwer did in that particular play, and that's the reason he did it. Uh, it's always been amazing to me. We, we'll, we'll say how great it is that the Deion Sanders of the world say things, and then we, we ridicule those that maybe just a little bit in the pile that achieves the same purpose. Well, uh, it wasn't flagged. It, it wasn't called for a penalty. Exactly, uh, so exactly. the rules of the game, um, it, it was allowed. And uh, I've got to tell you guys that I've got a ton of Louisville followers, you know, who follow me. Um, and even when I posted that story yesterday, just the nasty comments about that one play um, <laughs> uh, still that that come up were with Lamar Jackson. But as he explained afterward, you know, if he uh, was upset, then I apologize. But I was doing what I had to do to make sure he couldn't go any further than where he was. Because, look, I mean, every player who has played against Lamar Jackson knows that even when you think you've got him, you probably don't. So from him, his perspective, he just needed to make sure that he wasn't going to get that extra yard. Uh, and it ended up being that he had his arm around his neck and he didn't let go because that's just where his arm ended up. I understand the point of view that people said he's got him in a chokehold, but it was within the, the rules, and as Lamar Jackson also said, it's football. I, I know Bobby Petrino was upset about it, and a lot of other people were upset about it, but 
Um, as Dabo Sweeney said, the only dirty thing about Ben Bulware is that nasty beard that he's got. Um, and I think there's a, <laughs> or or a did you see the pant? Did you see the pants he wore at the ACC kickoff? <laughs> they were yeah, pretty nasty yeah, too. too. <laughs> they, they, they were, uh, but he was proud of that outfit. He was. He was. He was. And, and, and you know, he just wanted to make that fashion statement. But that combined with that beard that just gets so matted and nasty. Uh, in that helmet, I asked his mom about it, and he's like, oh, I think he just does that to make himself look a little bit more intimidating. But, um, you know, it, it's something that, that certainly has become a trademark of his. But, you know, you, you're absolutely right. It, it, he believes wholeheartedly that he's going to play to the whistle, and he was playing that play to the whistle. I, I read somewhere that uh, they were explaining, uh, how would you explain Lamar Jackson? And, and the explanation was he's the guy with the ever smaller numeral. Because <laughs> every time you're looking mm-hmm. at him, he's running away from you. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, that that's, must have been a Florida exactly State right. comment. But... I wasn't going to say that, but it was pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's go. Let's go bigger picture on the ACC, uh, Andrew. I'm, I'm curious. You know, uh, John Swafford has not necessarily always been viewed, uh, maybe by outsiders, as as a commissioner that's at the you know the top of the list. If you're looking at the Power Five, but the more time goes on. Uh, the closer he creeps to the front of that list based on everything that he's accomplished with the ACC. So I'm wondering at this point, uh, is, is he just sitting back smoking a cigar in his office with his feet kicked up on the desk as he checks out the polls and, and looks at all the attention the ACC is getting these days? When I close my eyes, that's how I would like to envision John Swafford because uh, either that or he's taking a victory lap around the ACC offices. It was, what, five years ago when everybody thought this league was falling apart and everybody thought, Florida State might be going to the Big 12. And I remember chasing down Randy Spetman at the spring meetings, trying to figure out what on earth was going on, if they were really going to consider moving uh, to that conference and what was going to happen to the ACC. Uh, And Maryland goes ahead and leaves to the Big 10, and people are wondering, what's going on? How are they going to hold this thing together? But look at where the ACC is now. A brilliant move, in my opinion. I know Florida State fans don't want to hear any more about Louisville, but really a brilliant move to bring that program in and bypass UConn uh, because look at now what Louisville has done in the short period of time that they've been in this conference. Now all of a sudden people are looking at them as could, could they be an at-large team to make it into the playoff? Obviously you got Clemson who's in the mix. Florida State has been in the mix the last three years uh, for a, a championship or a playoff spot. They've won conference championships. Uh, look at what Justin Fuente now is doing at Virginia Tech. Maybe they've turned a corner and they can get back to being that perennial top 25 team. Um, North Carolina obviously has been in the top 25 um, and continues to be in the top 25. Uh, Mark Richt is now a head coach in the ACC. They've now got all of these $4 million coaches. And by the way, the ACC network uh, has finally come to fruition. So uh, just in the last five years, what Don Swafford has done, not only to um, guarantee the stability of this conference, but now to make it considered a football conference where people aren't looking at it as the worst power five conference anymore. I mean, they're right up there just behind the SEC in the conference power rankings, I think speaks to what he's been able to do as the leader of this conference, the vision that he's had to keep everybody together, to get everybody signed that grant of rights, to bring in Louisville, to get the ACC network and to say, Hey, basketball is great. And we still want to be a basketball conference, but we can also be a football conference hand in hand with that. And they've made tremendous strides uh, toward that. And now the ACC, potentially two playoff teams, uh, that's something that people are talking about with this conference that probably would have been laughable just a couple of years ago. 
I'll throw one out there, and uh, we had some dialogue about it. You don't have to comment on it. But if you want to embrace the football a little bit more, you can't hold your ACC basketball media days today, three days before <laughs> FSU Clemson football. You just got to find another date on the calendar, and I, I won't ask you to opine and, uh, uh, and get in any trouble on that one, Andrew. That, that's Tom's favorite that, thing this week, Andrew. That, that's, my, that's my hot button issue this week. Like, really? It's, it's the game everybody's been looking forward to since the schedule came out in January, and you put Hoops Media Day in the middle of the week? Uh, let me, uh, you know, on the Florida State side of the ledger, uh, FSU was obviously a proponent of staying at eight conference games, uh, along with the other schools that play an SEC rival annually. Uh, I, I'm curious, has there been any backlash or there's some some schools behind the scenes that are really kind of ticked or annoyed that the league didn't move the nine conference games? Sure, there are teams uh, that are uh, ticked about that or schools that are ticked about that, but they don't necessarily have the type of leverage to be able to strong arm everybody else into making that decision to move to nine Uh, when you look at who uh, the power teams are in this conference they're the ones that wanted to stay at eight and so it doesn't really come as a major surprise that eight won out because of what John Swafford again was able to do and say look if you want to stay at eight it doesn't have to be a plus two power five non-conference we can stay at at, at the plus one it's going to mean less money for us but if that's what you all want to do that's an option that's on the table because you know, uh, there, there's there's little doubt that uh, the powers that be wanted them to try and get uh, more Power Five non-conference games, uh, and because it was uh, an easier sell for Florida State and for Clemson uh, and for some of the other schools that have those SEC rivals to stay with just the one Power Five, because you got Notre Dame in the mix, and that's something that other conferences don't have to deal with. The fact that that's a Power Five game that rotates in every three years. And so for Florida State and for Clemson, that means playing your SEC rival plus Notre Dame once every three years. Uh, and now you want to try and add in another guaranteed Power 5-9 conference game would have brought it to 11 on those years. It just would have uh, really hurt the ACC and its chances to try and get into that college football playoff. So to me, it makes the most sense. And, and here's what I come back to. I understand the argument for nine. I really do. Because you're in a conference, you want to play each other more. You don't want to go seven years between seeing a team. You don't want players to not be able to play every single team in your conference. But if this mandate wasn't given to the SEC, then why should the ACC go go along with this 8-plus-2 mandate? They felt very strongly that the 8-plus-1 was working for them. Again, we go back to the rankings right now uh, and the potential to get two teams in the playoffs. So why change anything that's working right now for this conference? We just had the conversation about where the ACC stands right now. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? And so I think that's the way the ACC looked at the big picture and settled on staying at eight because it's working and it has worked and they believe it'll continue to work. No doubt uh, a banner year for the ACC. Hopefully we have uh, a game for the ages on Saturday night. Hopefully it's uh, it's entertaining. And obviously from where I sit, hopefully the Garnet Gold comes out on top. But we'll see you this weekend in Tallahassee. Thanks for your insight and what you do for college football in the Atlantic Coast Conference, Andrea. Thanks for having me on, guys. I had a great time. Thank you. Thank you. And, folks, check out that, uh, that story on Ben Bolware that uh, mentions Travis. It's a good story on Ben Bolware, even without the Florida State angle. But uh, it will show you a different side about one of uh, Clemson's uh, best defenders. We'll take a break, come back, and react to some of that uh, as we continue here on The Front Row. We don't need no education. We don't need no thought control. 
Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee. This is The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Presented by Hobson Chevrolet. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom Block and Keith Jones. Back on the front row. Happy Wednesday as we are uh, three days away from Florida State Clemson. The renewal of what has been the uh, really the, the banner rivalry in the ACC over the last several years. KJ, that was a really good insight from, uh, from Andrea. We live in our Florida State bubble. Even you and I, as close to the Florida State program as we are, you know, frankly, don't get a chance to watch a lot of the rest of the league. But Andrea does is what her job is, so we appreciate her joining us. Uh, before we react to the football, are you not on board with my little – pet peeve of the week about basketball media day being three days before the biggest football game on the schedule i I agree with you i I think you've got to go back and understand though typically the kickoff and the uh, for football and the kickoff for basketball are done on a certain day of the week and a certain week of the year and and those arrangements get made two and three and four years in advance because they've got to book the hotel, they've got to do all that. And then the schedule comes out, and this particular schedule had Florida State and Clemson in the same week. So I agree with you, but I'm a little more big picture realistic. Well, I'm just going to point out it's the same office that released the football schedule that scheduled the basketball media day. I understand. But it the, wasn't like it was an unknown entity. But, but the basketball media day was scheduled before the football. I understand. I'm just making the point that both Clemson and Florida State had bye weeks last week and we had nothing to talk about. Would have been a perfect week that we all could have absorbed and dove into basketball. Instead of what happened today, which is great, yep. we got a 30-second soundbite. Now back to FSU. Clemson. And if I lost 40 pounds, I'd still only be 20 pounds overweight. There you go. All right, so we're done with that. Nobody cares about this uh, minutia <laughs> of how the sausage is made. That was You're right. That was my pet peeve of the week. I'll find another one next week to complain about. There you go. And as I get older and closer to your age, I'll complain even more. It's called Someday curmudgeon. I, it's called I, curmudgeon. I may become one of those, yes. Uh, so she, Andrea likes uh, Clemson. Most I haven't looked at national predictions. Pretty much everybody's going to Clemson's Clemson a three point favorite. I was actually surprised. I thought the spread would be bigger. Now well, I know it's been bet down a little bit. It but. hasn't. But but part of that, and, and I'm not smart enough to know this. I read it somewhere, but that really makes them a five or six point favorite because Florida on State's a neutral at home. field. Yeah, Florida State's at home. Uh, I still thought from a big picture that was a little bit light. Uh, however, uh, one of the things that came about, and I forget to pick. There were a couple of games last weekend. Uh, I think Alabama. Alabama was a 19-point favorite over A&M. And all the time leading up to that, the the people like us were just questioning, is, is Las Vegas crazy? Are they nuts? And guess what? They they were pretty close. And by Clemson only being a three-point favorite, that goes back to, to my wish and hope that this is a close ball game and not a blowout. And evidently, Vegas thinks it's going to be. Well, in terms of Alabama, Alabama hasn't shown any warts this year. I mean, Clemson has looked beatable very much, and Andrea brought it up, very similar Clemson this year to Florida State in 2014. They're winning. They've got the Heisman, you know, contender quarterback. Don't don't bet against them, but it ain't been pretty. It hasn't been pretty. I mean, I honestly thought, I'm still a little shocked, looking back at that Clemson-Louisville game, that last drive where Louisville ultimately came up short on the fourth down, and there was some controversy about that and whether the marker was displayed, and we didn't get into that, but... My point is, 
Lamar Jackson took them right down the field. And I really, watching that game unfold, I thought Louisville was just going to rip their heart out at Clemson. Now, Clemson did win that game. But well, but, but the NC State game was even more beatable right, or right. more losable. Oh, no, yeah, no question. I'm, I'm just pointing out that when both teams were at their best, because I, 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 I forgive Clemson a little bit for the same reasons that FSU didn't play great against Wake. I think that sort of happened with Clemson at home. But if you look at a game like Louisville where both teams were up for it, Louisville was on the road. I mean, it. I really thought they were – I was convinced they were going to get that first down and go in and get a touchdown. As it is, it turns out it didn't happen. So here's Clemson, uh, you know, living dangerously, which is how Florida State lived uh, in 2014. Deshaun Watson has not um, – well, he's sort of got the same thing going on that the team has, which is now we saw you last year – or for two years in his case. So now we're, we're looking a little more closely and we're finding more warts or we're comparing the numbers to last year, and so we're just saying you're not as good. He's still a pretty good quarterback. Very good. And and to be fair, there is an undercurrent or an underlying story that keeps getting talked about a little bit that though not injured, Deshaun has been playing hurt. I've read a couple of different versions. That one of his ankles got turned earlier in the year, and he's had a little problem with it. I've also read another story, probably just speculation, that though the knee that he had surgically repaired did not bother him last year, he's got more wear and tear on it, and it's beginning to act up and flare up just a little bit this year. So uh, maybe there's a little bit of a health issue there. I don't know. Uh, I do know this. Your point and Andrea's point, uh, very valid. He was so good last year. There was nowhere to go but down. And and that's just the nature of, of we as college football fans. Particularly the second half of the year. Really from the second half of the Florida State game throughout the yeah. rest of the year. I mean, we're all, we're all looking at Dalvin and saying Dalvin's having a down, down year compared to last year. Right. Yet right. he's first in the country, second in the country from yards from scrimmage and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and I saw a stat yesterday. He's, you know, he's created fifty missed tackles or something, which leads the country there too. So, yeah, Dalvin's doing. Perceptions right. is reality, and well, absent of fact. Well, let let's go to this. And in, in terms of Clemson's offense against FSU's defense, Keith, uh, Florida State has played more man of late, and the thought process has been you, you certainly you got to mix your your coverages against them. Florida State wasn't very good in zone early this year. Now, part of that they've switched some personnel a little bit, which should help with that. Uh, you are not a proponent of of playing a robber or a spy on Deshaun but do you think in mixing their coverages they might assign Trey Marshall that role some of the time since Derwin's out I, I think we've reached the point given Florida State's inability to to play discipline although the last couple of games have been better that that maybe Charles has to go against what he believes in Charles Kelly based on what my conversations have been with him he doesn't believe in that robber that spy concept but if you can't execute consistently the other way maybe you got to make a change I think it will be interesting and we won't know this until after the game and the call charts get uh, talked about Uh, I guess we can do it a little bit by observation but it will be interesting to see how much Kelly goes man versus zone overall what's the split what's the percentages and then we can dial down to what's the down and distances and what's the issues because I do think conceivably Florida State will go against the book the book would say you play zone against a very mobile quarterback. The reason is your defensive backs are always looking that way. When you play man, your defensive backs are going to turn their backs to the ball, which means they're going to run down the field chasing a receiver. And there's huge And there's huge gaps and that type of thing. However, however, I, Kelly may roll the dice on that because Watson, if he is not 100%, 
may be a little more likely to stay in the pocket or to buy time and throw the ball. They have 16 turnovers. Clemson has turned the ball over, and many of those have been errant decisions, errant throws by Watson. How do you mix that? What do you gamble with is going to be an interesting chess match in terms of the calls that Charles Kelly makes during the game. And in terms of the call Jimbo makes offensively, and this plays into DeAndre's uh, game a little bit too, in that he's not a guy that's going to sit back there and pick you apart. But uh, this is a week where Jimbo will will throw the ball on rundowns and run the ball on pass downs. I mean, I, I, I would expect that you're going to see that. And I would expect you'll see a continuation of getting DeAndre out of the pocket and though, you know, it's debatable, and I, I don't know that Jimbo's going to do anything but give you coaches speak. I, you know, I've never thought Jimbo's offense was a true read offense the way we think of, of Louisville or Clemson. In other words, there's there's not the, the real quarterback reading the defensive end or the defensive tackle. A lot of those calls are, I think, predetermined, or at least unless you see something extravagant, always do this. Uh, but utilizing Francois's legs – uh, in the running game, even if they're designed called quarterback runs, uh, I think you've got to continue to mix that in. I know he's been beat up. I know he's taken some shots. But, uh, guys, uh, now ain't the time to be timid. You're, you're going to have to pull out all the stops if you want to be victorious over the Tigers. Speaking of pulling out all the stops, we will uh, round up one Tim Linnefelt, our Seminoles.com insider, when we come back, and uh, we will pick what's left of his brain as we are deep into the football season, see if there's any more uh, – Bits of wisdom we can glean from our Seminoles.com insider right after this. You're listening to The Front Row with Tom Locke and Keith Jones. Only on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Here's Tom and Keith. Florida State still unbeaten in the Pearl Jam walk-up song era for Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefeld. That's going to be on the line. That streak will be on the line this week as uh, we say hello to Tim, courtesy of the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Tim, this we're putting a lot on Eddie Vedder this week, don't you think? I was going to mention it, but I didn't want to jinx it. You know, Eddie's got a lot going on in the sports world. The, the Chicago Cubs are in the World Series. His song is leading Florida State into a big-time rivalry against Clemson we just have to hope that he can manage yeah uh especially in light of the you know the way game one went there who's Pearl Jam (laughs) uh we're not gonna have to start this segment again they play them on FM radio (laughs) yeah (laughs) they're they're not on the comedy channel on your satellite radio okay (laughs) hey Tim before we get to Clemson and FSU I'm looking at Seminoles.com and I saw this last night but uh, it's linked right now on the homepage. the title is FSU coaches read student athlete tweets and I got to say, this was highly entertaining. And just and Keith hasn't seen it yet, but when we say FSU coaches, this ran the gamut of you know just about most head coaches. Leonard and Coach Sue were on it. Rick Trickett represented football, and if Rick Trickett's involved, you know it's going to be funny. So he might have been at the top of my list here. But what inspired this idea? Because it, it's some good internet. It's pretty fun, isn't it? Uh, all credit goes for that for uh, my buddy Lane Hurt, uh, who does a, a great job producing video content for us over at Seminoles.com. He had the idea, and it actually, believe it or not, started. I don't know that it was ever going to see the light of day, 
in that uh, so about once a semester, the athletics department at Florida State has what's called a town hall meeting where they get everybody together, and it, it's, it's huge. There's hundreds and hundreds of people at this thing, uh, and usually Stan Wilcox, athletics director, speaks, and they have a guest speaker. I think John Swafford was the guest speaker once, and, and you know, they just kind of get everybody together, get everybody on the same page, and go over uh, you know, whatever's going on in the department. And it's usually fun, and there's usually some sort of uh, a video that, that goes along with it that is, is meant to inspire laughs. And so Lane had the idea. Uh, to do that, and, and obviously, you know, getting all the coaches together and, and, and having them do something like that is a pretty massive undertaking. So we've been working on it for a while, and then finally, uh, you know, was able to put it together, get it together with all the coaches, especially you know some of the busier ones like Leonard Hamilton and Rick Trickett and Sue Semrau. And the final product ended up just being, I think, you know, you had an idea that it could be pretty funny, especially when you saw some of the tweets that were going to be presented. But then the final product was so great and so funny that I think we we realized that we had to let people see it, and uh, it just sort of took off. I think we, we had an idea that, that people would like it, but I think everybody was a little bit surprised that it took off the way that it did. Well, so two things. One, uh, make sure you do this again because it was very good. And then secondly, Keith, have you been asked to speak at any of the town hall meetings? I've not gotten that call. That would be a negatory, Ghost Rider. Yeah, yeah all right. If you can put it I'll, in I'll, put those, I'll put those in the, uh, the suggestion bowl. I mean, if they're looking for humor, I mean, it doesn't get much better than KJ here. I just act myself and I get There you go. All right, FSU Clemson. We just had Andrea Adelson on from uh, ESPN uh, a little bit earlier. Not surprisingly, uh, Tim, she's going to pick Clemson. I think her official prediction comes out tomorrow. That's going to be the way most conference and national media are going to be. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on uh, on h- how does Florida State win this game and uh, sort of defy the odds? Well, I think first and foremost, they're going to need a big performance out of their offensive line. Uh, the, the narrative of DeAndre Francois getting hit and sacked and what have you uh, has persisted for the last few weeks and for good reason. And now you're going up against the Clemson defensive line that's probably one of the best in the country. Uh, and then you got the, the linebackers in the secondary to match. That defense is really, really good. Marquez White told me last night that he thinks this is the best team that Florida State has played this season, and I think he's probably right. Uh, and then when you factor in the fact that Florida State has lost two games already, I don't blame you if you're feeling a little bit nervous about it. So the offensive line, you have to hope has fixed some issues over the bye week and is going to keep DeAndre Francois clean and also open up some holes for Dalvin Cook because you know Clemson's going to do what everybody tries to do, and that's take away Dalvin Cook and make Florida State win in the passing game. The, the difference is, whereas most teams probably can't take away Dalvin Cook, Clemson has to probably feel like they have a better shot than most. So I think the offensive line has to play well. I think you're going to need some plays from your receivers. This would be a great time for Travis Rudolph to have a big game. It'd be a great time to get Auden Tate more involved, especially if Bobo Wilson can't go. Uh, you notice I'm focusing all on the offense because I think that's what's going to have to happen. I think Florida State's going to have to score some points uh, if they're going to pull off this upset. I'm not, and, I, and I think they can, but I think a lot has to come together for it to happen. Well, what's the number they have to get to then? Because what you're saying is the defense is going to give up some points. I, you know, I, we, I had this conversation with Lane actually earlier, earlier this week. I think it's right around 30, 30, 31. And even then, I don't know that I would be hundred percent confident, but I think if you get up over thirty, you at least can say that you uh, you, you put yourself in position. I, I'm not sure that's going to be the case, Tim. Uh, obviously, that's just one person's opinion. Uh, Tom and I talked about this earlier. I was shocked at the spread that was uh, put out by Vegas last week in the uh, Alabama A&M game, and, and obviously Alabama ended up winning it big. 
Clemson's only a three-point favorite in this ball game. Obviously, that doesn't address whether it's a low-scoring game or a high-scoring game. But Vegas knows something, and 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 I I have every reason to believe this is going to be a pretty tightly contested ball game. Whether it be low-scoring, high-scoring, I don't know. What are your thoughts? I think it could be, uh, especially we, we we need the Florida State defense of the last two games to come out and, and play against Clemson. If, if that's the case, then I think it will be a close game. You know, our, our, our buddy David Hale, who's one of Andrea's colleagues of the ESPN, wrote a thing uh, the other day, and it broke down Deshaun Watson's numbers, and, and he found out that, that Deshaun Watson isn't running nearly at the rate as he did last year or with nearly as much success last year as he had last year. And then that's a pretty big part of Clemson's offense and also a pretty big part of what has given Florida State defense trouble this year. So I'm curious to see if they try to run him more to get FSU's defenders out of position or if for one reason or another he, he can't or won't because if he doesn't run, then I think you'll see what we've seen from Clemson for a lot of this season, which is that they just don't quite look as dynamic as you would have expected them to coming off the year that they had last year. So if that's the case and if, if Clemson's offense becomes a little more conventional than, um, than it, we would expect it to be, then I think Florida State's defense is actually in a pretty good position there. You saw them do pretty well against an offense similar to that against Miami uh, and, and also Wake Forest. Now, if Clemson's going to run hurry up, that presents its own set of issues. But knowing if Florida State's front seven is able to know with reasonable confidence that Deshaun Watson isn't going to burn them much with his legs, I think that's a, a pretty big uh, swing in Florida State's favor. And then, yeah, maybe uh, maybe they can hold their own, and maybe it will be a close game. Take that uh, one step further. I, I picked up on Jim, Jimbo in his Monday press conferences is always good at coaches speak. He tells you what you want to hear, very complimentary. But he made a comment, which I think was very off the cuff and straight from the heart, when he said he believes this game was going to be a game of field position. That tells me low scoring, contested, kicking game becomes important. I mean, if you're focused on field position, that's a that's a low-key kind of ball game. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think it goes back to what we were talking about just a minute ago for, for Florida State's offense. I, I think it, you want them to set the tone from a field position standpoint and, and control the clock. I know that's been a theme this year, and, and Florida State's done an absolutely just fantastic job of owning time of possession. I think they're their third highest in time of possession, and, and they're on pace to set a school record for most average time of possession in the season. Uh, and, and to me, that goes back to you know running the, running the ball, controlling the clock with some, some short, kind of easy passes to keep the sticks moving, and then if your drive stalls out near midfield, well, you're at least punting from midfield and hopefully backing something up to inside their 20 or inside their 10. And to me, that's, that's the recipe for how this game is going to work for Florida State. You'd like to cap those drives off with touchdowns, but if you can't, maybe you've been able to sustain a drive long enough to at least get into field goal range, or if not, punt Clemson back and, and get them in, in bad field position. And This is all, of course, predicated on taking care of the ball and, and making sure that you don't make mistakes in that regard, because giving those guys a short field is a recipe for disaster. So uh, and it all is under that umbrella, like you said, Keith, and I agree completely. And I, I think that I think Clemson can overcome the uh, you know coming out on the wrong end of the field position battle if if they if it's not too bad I think Florida State if if they're constantly presented with long fields and constantly giving Clemson short fields uh, that's going to be pretty tough for them to climb. You know I'm thinking back about the last few games uh, between FSU and Clemson uh, that were here not last year's game because Dalvin obviously got Florida State out early but given Florida State's struggles to score in the first half uh, and you look back in in twenty. 20- 
14 when McGuire played. FSU played from behind that game and ultimately tied it late, won in overtime. In 2012, they were behind by at least two touchdowns on some trick plays before they rallied in the second half. So my point is, uh, Clemson has not been intimidated when they've come into Doak of late. I mean, they've jumped on Florida State. And, uh, uh, you know, if I'm Clemson, given what Florida State hasn't done in the first half, I'm feeling pretty good about that. Yeah, probably so. And look, this is a team that has every reason to be confident, even though they haven't played with the, at the same level that we expected from them off of last year. You know, there's, a, there's something else to be said for, you know, almost a, a 2014 Florida State level of, of making things happen. And I don't think anybody uh, has been able to pull out dramatic wins the way that 2014 team did. But look back to that NC State game that Clemson played a few weeks ago. I mean, they lost that game. It was over. That kid had a, 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 a I don't want to say an easy kick, but a kick that you would expect him to make. Uh, and Clemson is coming in here with a loss. But it didn't happen that way. And, and I think that that can kind of give a team confidence as well, when you know, you know, you, you talk about finding a way to win. Well, sometimes that just means getting really lucky. But hey, sometimes it just works out that way. And when you you have that air of invincibility about you, you can say, hey, you know, even a chip shot field goal isn't gonna, isn't going to be enough to beat us. Uh, then that does give you confidence. So we'll see. This will be the first time that Deshaun Watson has played at Florida State as the the unquestioned starter. Remember, he kind of rotated in and out in 2014. For some uh, but then inexplicable it, reason. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, 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 I still can't explain it. But uh, and, and, you know, we might be talking about that game in a different light had he not. But <laughs> that's part of it. But, you know, he's played in some, some pretty massive stages already as well. So I, I wouldn't expect him to be t- intimidated. But I wonder about you know, some of those guys from, from Clemson, that if they're playing in their first significant action, uh, this will certainly be their, their, their biggest, toughest environment uh, road environment they've played at in the ACC, and, and so you wonder if, if that could have an impact at all. But I don't expect it from the heavy hitters, the Deshaun Watsons, Wayne Gallmans, uh, the receiving core. I, I don't expect them to be intimidated. Tim, uh, we don't have uh, time to do basketball justice. I know it was just a media day today. We'll get into that uh, as we get closer to the season. There is an exhibition game tomorrow night. Soccer is uh, playing North Carolina, I guess, in the next couple days, maybe tomorrow night. So there is a there is a lot going on as we started to get to the crossover point of the season. But uh, we'll we'll focus on FSU uh, Clemson because that is the headliner right now. Thanks for your insight, Tim. You got it, Tom. Anytime. All right, our Seminoles dot com insider, uh, Seminoles dot com. Of course, uh, that's where you go to catch Jimbo's post game press conference, which this week will. Uh, what do you think? 11, 12, 12.06, 12.06 maybe on Seminoles.com. 8 o'clock kick, which is probably 8.10. Oh, the kick's at 8.23 or 8.27. Oh, is it really that oh, late? Yeah. Oh, oh, then yeah. I'm adjusting back. I'm back to like 12.17. Yeah. I'm going to go for that presser. All right, we'll come back and wrap up on the front row right after this. Listening to the front row with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Got a question? Email them at the front row at 979ESPNRadio.com. Here's Tom and Keith. Keith, our damage is done for the week, save for this last uh, 75 seconds or so. So, damage away. Uh, you want me to go with my heart or you want me to go with my head? Well, I, I, you just tipped your hand on that, so let's <laughs> let's go. So, with your heart, Florida State wins forty-eight to nothing. No, I like with that. my heart, with my heart, Florida State wins twenty-four twenty-three. And with your head, I'm scared to death. Uh, I'm I it I will not walk out of Dope Campbell Stadium surprised if it's forty-four to nothing. Uh, 
this Clemson team, I think, is poised to either continue struggling. This is not insightful commentary, but continue struggling, or they're ready to break out because I know they've heard enough of they've been mediocre, just like the 14 team at Florida State heard enough about they were just winning by the skin of their teeth. I hope it's an entertaining ball game, national spotlight. Uh, I've learned to have a great deal of respect for the Clemson program. Uh, I know they respect the Florida State program. I think this has turned into a great rivalry. I just hope it's a close ball game. I'll point out as we wrap up, they've only won once since FSU's once at Doak since FSU's been in the ACC. So hopefully that streak continues. He's Keith. I'm Tom. We'll talk to you again next week. Enjoy the game, everybody. 